What's up, everybody? Welcome to Stick to Football Bleacher Reports College Football and NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Joined alongside me, Mello and Connor. Guys, we're going to break down and kind of put a bow on the 2019 NFL Draft today and then also look ahead with a little peek to 2020. Yeah, let's do it, man. I mean, God, what a wild ride it was. A crazy three days. Um, you know, we had a lot of coverage between us three and Adam Lefko was joining us. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Just pick out some of our favorite drafts, you know, talk about why we certain drafts we didn't like and already start to dig into what's ahead. Yeah, absolutely exhausted over here yeah. on our end, but it's going to be good. We're getting back into our normal routine after the hectic draft weekend. That we are getting back into the routine a little bit. And I, I think let's start here. My favorite draft was a team that I did not expect to like as much as I did. We, when Mike Mayock was hired by the Oakland Raiders, uh, were cautious about what he was going to be able to do as a first-time general manager. And not just about drafting in the first round where they had three picks, but how well he would do drafting later in the draft because that is where it gets more difficult. The Raiders are my pick for favorite draft. To add Cleveland Furl, I know a lot of people are upset about the values not there, but I completely understand what he's trying to do here with adding a high-character, high-floor player. You both talked about Cleveland Furl a lot throughout this process of he's the most NFL-ready 4-3 defensive end in this entire draft class uh, outside of Nick Bosa. So for him to come in at 4, it's going to look like a reach on a lot of draft boards, a lot of media boards. But if you like the player, we always say it. If you like the player, take the player. To then get Josh Jacobs and fill the biggest need on offense, he's going to help Derek Carr so much, be able to open up things in the passing game and the run game. He's a power runner with vision, patience, true three-down ability. Jonathan Abram is a leader. He's a hitter in the secondary. I think he can play a little bit over the top. He's going to help match up with guys like Travis Kelsey. Noah Fant is in that division now. Hunter Henry, if he can ever stay healthy, he's in that division. So there are some players that you look at what they have to match up against, Abram is perfect for that. Then, guys, they weren't done. To get Trayvon Mullen, Isaiah Johnson, and then, Mello, I know you were mad when this happened. Foster Moreau goes to the Oakland Raiders, and then Connor's older brother, Hunter Renfro, (laughs) goes to the Oakland Raiders. I mean, it was, yeah, it was pretty hilarious, honestly, when both of those picks happened because we were on Hunter Renfro watch, and we were definitely on Foster Moreau watch. And I think when you just look at what they did, they took so many impact high floor players, Matt. And I think that's another reason why you understandably like this draft so much is that they didn't come out and try to be smarter than everyone. They addressed many holes. I think a lot of people were stunned by the Cleveland Farrell pick. But when he's a really, really good player for the next 10 to 12 years, people will laugh at how shocked they acted at the time. So I loved Oakland's draft. I really, really did. And another draft that I was a huge fan of was the Arizona Cardinals. Listen, it doesn't take a lot of brains to get the number one pick right. And I'm excited to see Kyler Murray with Cliff Kingsbury in the future. But it's not easy to make the picks after that. And they nailed it. Byron Murphy to start day number two was a phenomenal pick. They got my top ranked corner, a guy that should have went in round one. He got overlooked because of his frame and maybe because of the 40. But the 40 is a little deceiving because this guy is extremely fluid in coverage. The Andy Isabella pick to me was a little early. I'm not a huge Isabella guy in comparison to some of the other receivers in this draft, but I get his, you know, why he's a need because of his speed in this offense that they desperately need. 
but they added two more receivers I do like in Hakeem Butler and Keyshawn Johnson at insane value with size and great hands. So, well, not Hakeem Butler, but Keyshawn Johnson catches everything. Hakeem Butler is <laughs> the Butler's opposite. Fast. He's the guy that struggles to catch anything, but when he does look out, he's a playmaker. Zach Allen, maybe my favorite pick for them out of the their entire draft because they got him at the top of the third round, and he's a phenomenal, phenomenal football player. Lamont Gilliard for some offensive line depth. Deontay Thompson for some defensive back depth, though he could start as safety. They did a really, really good job. Even in round seven, Michael Dogby, who's been on this podcast, is somebody that will rotate on the defensive line. So when you look at Arizona, it just felt like outside of the Isabella pick, which was a fine pick, it was just a reach, they made the most of all their selections. They did, and you have to surround that young quarterback with some tools, and they did with all the receivers they drafted. I think we're really missing a team here, though. The New England Patriots won the draft, uh, especially if you look at my board, because they go Nikhil Harry, my receiver number one. They get a big guy in the secondary, Jawan Williams. I really like him. And then they go after another one of my guys. They get Chase Winovich, who can come off the edge. Damian Harris, uh, I didn't think they needed a running back, but in New England, you can never have enough of those guys. So I really like that pickup, too. And then Yadni Kajust, the guard out of Arkansas, whose name I probably can't you say. Nailed it. And then <laughs> one of my favorite quarterbacks, Jared Stidham. Uh, they just they went chalk on my board almost. I, I love the fits for all these guys. They needed a big outside target, especially with Gronk retiring. So that was a big need. And they filled it with a great target in Nikhil Harry. They get Jared Stidham, who can sit back there for who knows how long. It might be 20 years <laughs> before he gets to be on the field. But I like the developmental process that he's going to go through. Yanni just on the offensive line. The rich just keep getting richer with this draft in New England. The only thing that surprised me, guys, was they didn't address the tight end position which makes me wonder if we're going to see this offense really change if they more ran the offense through Gronk because they had him as opposed to we need a tight end to run the offense through. It was like more about scheming to get a great player the ball as much as they could. So I hope we do see more of a spread out passing attack with Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman. If they could get Josh Gordon back, this offense looks pretty scary, scarier, I guess you would say, because it's already very, very scary. Kind of like Scary Terry. Um, the Redskins also had a good draft. Dwayne Haskins, Scary Terry, Montez Sweat. So there were a lot of other good drafts. We want to know who you guys think. Who had a good draft? You can leave this at your iTunes review. You can tweet it at us, at Stick to Football. Let us know what teams you guys thought hit. Because there were 32 drafts. We don't have time to run through all 32 today. But these were at least our, our favorite drafts. Am I leaving anyone out, guys? Oh, for sure. Somebody. I mean, I thought Tennessee had a great draft. They had a phenomenal draft, but when you look at it, uh, yeah, when it comes down to it, I mean, we're going to cover all of them, so don't worry. Yeah, we will be getting to all of them throughout the next couple weeks. We got nothing to talk about all summer, so <laughs> we're going to get to your team's draft. Uh, don't worry, but again, tweet at us, leave your review, let us know whose draft you like. Now, the bad news is after this break, guys, we're going to talk about the drafts that we didn't like. All right, guys, we are back, and now the bad news we're going to talk about the drafts that we did not like. Basically, this is our chance to just upset three fan bases. I'm going to start things off with the Cincinnati Bengals, a draft that I really did not like. I love Jonah Williams at 11 overall. I'm good with that pick. Drew Sample at tight end in the second round, that's a problem for me. I think you reached for a blocking tight end. Jermaine Pratt, a player I like just fine, uh, and somebody that can be an athletic linebacker, can make plays 
but then Ryan Finley at quarterback. That's the future. I guess that's the guy you're going to let compete with Andy Dalton. I don't understand how you think this is where you're going to find a guy that can come and compete. Why not get Jared Stidham? Why not bring in someone who, like Will Greer? If you wanted to prioritize a second quarterback, they could have gone a lot of different directions. I was okay with what they did on day three. It was kind of unremarkable. Adding two running backs was maybe a big surprise, though. With Joe Mixon already set there, they had Travion Williams, who is a good receiver out of the backfield. And then in the sixth round, they take a chance on Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma, who's had three injuries in three years for the Sooners. Yeah, when you look at the Zach Taylor era, he made it pretty clear what he wants to do, and that's run the football. I mean, you got Drew Sample there. It's He's obviously a, a great blocking tight end. Jonah Williams, a huge offensive line piece that could play all five positions and the running backs. But like you said, Matt, it's just, you know, it, unremarkable is, is probably the right word. It's going to take a while to to get that foundation in place. So I know you were low on that draft. For me, I was low on Houston's draft. Like I said many times on the desk, it's just they wanted Andre Dillard, and it got too loud, too leaky, and the Eagles knew that and simply jumped one spot ahead of them to take him, which is you know not good at all. And then you look, they know they had to take a tackle, so they take Titus Howard, who... It could be a good developmental player, and maybe he will be a really good tackle down the road, but he was not around one player. And then it, it just leaves Deshaun Watson in a tough spot this year because they're, I don't think he's necessarily ready to be an impact tackle on the field right now. Deshaun Watson needs help right now. I know they took Max Sharping you know, later on in round two. He's a solid player that could play right tackle. I actually might like his you know, ability to get on the field right away faster while like Howard's ceiling a lot better is just unremarkable. Once again, to use the word that you said, I just was kind of underwhelmed. I'm not a Lonnie Johnson believer. I thought he did struggle at times and got beat in coverage. I wonder about his deep speed. I do think he's a physical corner coming downhill. Maybe they do use him in different roles. Kahale warning wearing was a pick that I liked because I think once again, he's one of those developmental guys with good athleticism, hasn't been playing football very long, got better as a blocker. Charles Menehue, a player that I'm just simply not a fan of. I never really saw the impact there. So Houston, it just was an underwhelming draft for me and one that I thought they had to knock out of the park specifically to help Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I agree with you too, Connor, because I do like Titus Howard, but I don't think he's going to be field ready uh, this year. I think he's a developmental guy. But I, I agree with the rest of your draft here, too. I'm going to surprise you because we talked and I said I was going to go with the New York Giants as my draft that I hated. I'm changing it, though. Too many people are shitting on the Giants. Uh, <laughs> everyone knows they had a bad draft. I'm going to attack a fan base that I'm very close to. I hated the Kansas City Chiefs draft. I did not like the players that they took. I didn't like the position. Uh, they go with McCole Hardman, who... Feels a need with everything going on with Tyreek Hill, but I still don't know that you had to do it right there in the second round like you did. I understand he was probably on their board. Um, still not my favorite pick. They didn't even address corner until very late at pick number 201. I thought that was a big need for this team. Instead, they went with a guy like Colin Saunders, who is probably going to be a very good football player. I just thought there were other needs in this draft that they should have filled other than an interior defensive lineman. I like Derek Naughty there at the nose tackle. I like Chris Jones in the three tech. I don't know where Colin Saunders is going to come in and fit on this defense. Uh, they take Derwin Thompson at running back. I thought they could have went that position earlier. They take one interior offensive lineman. A lot of holes on this defense still, and I don't think a lot of them got filled. I really like Juan Thornhill, 
but I would have rather have seen a true corner, not an over-the-top safety. I liked Armani Watts. I thought he could fill in and do some things on that defense, but they didn't address corner at all. So I really, I would have given this draft like a C minus if I had to grade the whole thing. It's nice to hear you critical of the Chiefs. I, yeah, uh, I know this isn't, you know, stick to the Chiefs, but I, I really wasn't happy with their draft. And I think you could say like their whole offseason has been a little underwhelming. And this was a team that was a play away from the Super Bowl last year. So you look like what the Patriots did, like you said, Mel. The Patriots had, in your opinion, the best draft. And you're saying the Chiefs had one of the worst, one of your least favorites. Yeah. How how big is that gap now between the Patriots and Chiefs? It feels like it's enormous. And like on the NFC side, like the Rams, I thought had, with limited picks, a pretty good draft. So I actually agree. I would have loved to see the Chiefs only had three day three picks. They should have traded, tried to acquire more. We saw some front offices really do a good job of that, man. So I said this on the desk, guys. I feel like the AFC West, every team got a lot better over this process. The Broncos added really good players who can come in and be immediate impacts. The Chargers added uh, players they believe they're going to fix their defense with Jerry Tillery and Nasir Adderley. And then the Raiders had, in my opinion, the best draft with a ton of picks. They did a great job adding impact pieces. The Kansas City should be a little bit worried here, I think. Uh, especially if you look across at the Denver Broncos, there's another team that I think had a really good draft. Noah Fant, Dalton Reisner, Drew Locke can sit there and develop. Draymond Jones, all of these guys that they get in round uh, you know, one and two, I think were rumored at least in a round one mock draft. Draymond Jones, maybe it was last year, but all of these guys were, were top candidates for that round one pick, and Denver picked up a, a good haul of players. Yeah, and I think it goes back to, I believe it was Howie Roseman that recently said it. Like He, he was like, I'm not you know, going to outsmart the process. You simply need more picks. You need more chances. And I think I, I thought the Chiefs got a really, really good player in Frank, Frank Clark, obviously, with a lot of those picks. But they were clearly handicapped by just not having a lot and still having a lot of needs. Mikol is it, it's going to be interesting for him because I think he has all world potential as a vertical threat. I, if he needs to be that guy this year, it's that's a tough ask. It really is. Yeah, and that's what happens when uh, your best wide receiver gets into problems off the field. You have to reach in the draft uh, and try to fill that need, like you guys said. Uh, guys, let's take one more break. When we come back. We're going to take a very small peek into 2020. Some of the names that you guys you guys will want to know. If you're like us and like you want to hang out over the summer, try to watch cut-ups, watch film on players. These are the names that you'll want to know. We'll be back right after this. All right, boys, we are back, and it's time to talk about the 2020 NFL Draft, or at least the 2019 college football season, maybe the Heisman race. And Mello put together a big board. You saw that if you watched our day three coverage of the draft. Um, you have a top 20 Mello, actually, that's out there. I know you have a much bigger board than that. Um, I want to run through some of the names to know and maybe just look at the strengths that we have right now for next year's class. My top player, I think Melo's top player as well, is Chase Young, an edge rusher from Ohio State. Because this draft next year will be all about the quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers, in my opinion. Yeah, I really like Chase Young, and I actually think that he had a better sophomore year than Bosa did at his sophomore year. We didn't get to see him much his junior year, so I won't hold that against him. But Chase Young, if he comes in, guy's six foot five, two sixty five, great hand use. He can rush inside. Uh, he's an edge player, so obviously he can bend the corner too. Very productive last year at Ohio State. I'm eager to see what he can develop into. Uh, that junior year, a lot of players take a jump in between their sophomore and junior year. I think we could see a very big year and maybe even go defense for Heisman with Chase Young. 
Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. And speaking for uh, of defense for Heisman, I'm going with Grant Delpit there. I, I mean, I think the various roles he plays as a safety, he is the already next great LSU defensive back. I mean, the guy is phenomenal in coverage. I think his ability, you know, his ball skills, once again, coming downhill, he's a playmaker. He is truly a game-changing talent as a playmaker. So for me, when you look at this defensive class coming in, you got Grant Delpit on the back end, and then obviously Chase Young, who's phenomenal on the front. There is already easily top talent that we could highlight here. Yeah, and I think guys at wide receiver, as I said, this is a great group of wide receivers, man. Jerry Judy from Alabama is special, and I think people will get a little confused because he's not like the biggest guy. He's not DK Metcalf. I think he would have been the top receiver in this year's draft had he been able to come out. He is such a great route runner, tracks the ball well down the field, very good athlete. So I'm excited about Jerry Judy. T. Higgins at Clemson is obviously amazing as well. Uh, You look at the guys, uh, C.D. Lamb at Oklahoma. Michigan's got a couple guys. And this is such a loaded class. And we can't even talk about Justin Ross yet because he's a 2021 guy. So there is a loaded group at wide receiver. And then, Connor, I know your dude Travis Etienne at Clemson at running back is somebody that we're going to be watching a lot, too. Oh, that Clemson offense, we're going to have a lot of fun there. Speaking of receivers, you talk about, obviously, T. Higgins, but Travis Etienne, electric, absolutely electric. It, It was awesome to see him shine as a sophomore last year. I think that there there are some powerhouse offensive players in this draft. I mean, we haven't even gotten into, obviously, Jonathan Taylor, uh, A.J. Dillon. The running back class is, is fantastic. ETN will be my RB1 out of the gate. I think he is incredible. I think when we go back and we watch that film this summer, it, it'll be a lot of fun just to show some of the things he did for that national championship team. So it, it, it was interesting this year. There was only one round one running back, and we always knew that was going to be the case. Next year, I'm very curious. I feel like we're going to have like five to six easily in the top 50, but a couple might hear their names called in the top 32. I mean, you also have DeAndre Swift at Georgia, Cam Akers at Florida State. You're right. This running back class and the receiver class, LaVisca Shane Null out of Colorado is a receiver that we didn't mention. Uh, I know, Connor, you were high on uh, Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt. A lot of good skill positions coming out of this draft next year. And tight end looks deep, too. I know Oklahoma has one. Uh, I like Cody Parkinson out of Stanford. That Mizzou tight end is going to be good. A lot of good skill position. Yeah, and guys, of course, we have to talk about the quarterback position. Jake Fromm from Georgia, Justin Herbert from Oregon, Tua Tungavailoa from Alabama, Jacob Eason from Washington. There are four quarterbacks that we're going to be tracking, I think, as first-rounders. And then there's always the surprises. There's always someone that comes out maybe out of left field. I don't think we'll be looking at Jalen Hurts as a quarterback one next year this time, but maybe don't count out Lincoln Riley. Every year, though, about the number one pick, we said, ah, Baker Mayfield, he's probably like a third-round pick. Yeah. Kyler Murray is going to be a baseball player. We don't have to worry about him. So I'm not going to say anything at all about Jalen Hurts right now. He might be the number one pick next year. (laughs) Right? At this point, we have to be careful of making any of those accusations. You just never know the kind of rise, and the Lincoln Riley effect is fully in play. Yeah, it absolutely is. We will have information very, very soon on our 2019 tailgate tour. We'll be out on the road a lot this upcoming season watching these players. We will want to hang out with you guys, of course, most of you at least. Uh, So you'll have an opportunity to come out, watch college football with us, hang out, and get to know these prospects as we get ready for the 2020 draft or I will be writing a a round one mock draft. I almost said seven rounds. My God, I'll be writing a round one mock draft that will be out 
Monday morning. So while you're listening to this, as soon as you're done, open your BR app, go find that 2020 round one mock draft. And then next week, a 2020 big board that'll basically be a 10 player watch list at each position. So you guys will have all kinds of draft information for 2020 coming down the pike real soon. Guys, anything else to add before we hop out of here? Melo's got a flight to catch. I've got a nap to take. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, it was a fun week, and I just want to say thank you once again to everybody that was following along with us, especially the people that were very upset. We were not on for around six and seven because the TV coverage did not live up to their standards. So really, really special group of people that listen to this show and watch all our content. And I just can't wait to do it for years ahead. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah, it was fun. We definitely appreciate all the stickies who hung out. To all our new listeners, welcome. The shows will all be longer after this, I promise. I think we're all a little bit gassed today coming off of three days of coverage. But we will be back Wednesday morning. Connor and I will be. And we will start doing our deep dives on every team's offseason. So we'll be back talking to you guys soon. Make sure you subscribe to Stick to Football wherever you get your shows. If it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or another app, get in there, hit that subscribe button. And we'll be talking to you Wednesday morning. Thank you.